This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. There's a hymn that is often sung entitled, I Don't Know About Tomorrow. I Just Live From Day to Day. Well, the fact is none of us knows about tomorrow. But I'll tell you something a lot of people are concerned about right now. They're concerned about how they can face their future without fear. They want to know how they can face the future unafraid. I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss that topic, facing the future unafraid. I'm Billy Lambert, and I'm the regular speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible, and I want to personally welcome you to the telecast today. Now, today we're going to be reading from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you have your Bibles handy, I would urge you to go and get it open so you can follow along as we'll be reading the Bible together today, thinking about facing the future without fear, facing it unafraid. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course and that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it. We want to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In Psalms chapter 145 and verse 3, is this interesting statement, The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And you know God is a great God, isn't He? The opening sentence of the Bible is, In the beginning God. God is at the beginning of everything. He's at the beginning of the creation of the world, in the beginning of man, in the beginning of salvation. God. In the beginning God. So He's a great God, great in His power. He put the sun, the moon, and the stars in their places through his, in their places in the heavens because of his great power. But God is also great in his presence. He is an omnipresent God. In, ad in addition to being omnipotent, all-powerful, he's all-present, ever-present. You know, the psalmist said, there's no place that God is not found. There's no darkness, no shadow of death. Where, where the workers of iniquity um, may hide themselves. You cannot hide from God. Why? Because God's everywhere. He is here and He's there and He's everywhere. Thou, God, seest me. Genesis 16, 13. But not only is God great in His power and His presence, He's great in the promises that He makes. And in our last segment together, we were discussing the theme, Facing the Future Unafraid. 
And we were talking about being able to face the future unafraid because we can rest our souls on the promises of God. God is a promise-making God and a promise-keeping God. And the validity or the worth or the value of a promise is, is absolutely no better than the, than the validity or the, in, or the integrity, the veracity of the person that's making that promise. And God is a God who keeps His Word in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. God promises and God fulfills His Word. And because of that, we can rest assured that God keeps all the promises He has ever made to us. Now granted, there are some things that God has never promised. For example, God has never promised us that we would have a life free from hardship. He's not promised that. The fact is, as long as we're living in this world and in this old flesh and blood body, we're going to have some hardship. There are going to be some problems to come our way. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 said, We that are in this body do groan, being burdened. And we're told in the book of uh, Job, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And some of you say, well, I've had my fill of it. I've had all the trouble I can stand. Well, God hasn't promised that he's going to, to deliver us from any kind of trouble. But I think about a story in the Old Testament about three young boys. They were, they were Jewish young men, Hebrews. And they were in Babylon and they were cast into a furnace of fire. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king had the furnace heated up sevenfold more than it normally was. And, and actually the men who were putting the fuel in the furnace were, were burned to death. It was so fierce. But then the king looked in the, in the furnace and he looked for those three young men in the furnace to be completely consumed. But there they were walking in the midst of the furnace. And there, not only were they in there, there was a fourth person in there with them. And when they came out of the furnace, there were their, their hair, their head was not singed. There was not even the smell of smoke on their clothing. You see, God did deliver them from the furnace, but he got in the furnace with them. And we have problems for sure in this life because God has never promised that we would be free from trouble in this world. But I tell you what God has promised to do. He's promised to be with us in the midst of our problems. Listen to the promise he made in Hebrews, the 13th chapter in verse 5. I will never, ever, I will never, ever leave you. I will never forsake you. What a blessed promise. No, he's not promised that he's going to deliver us from trouble, from hardship, but he's promised that he will be with us when hardship comes our way. So something else God has not promised. He's, he's, he's not ever promised to, to, uh, uh, to hear a prayer that a man would pray who rebels against his will. As a matter of fact, John 9, 31 says he will hear, not hear a sinner's prayer. In Proverbs 28 and 9, the Bible says, Whoso turneth his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. We've got to be in tune to God if we want God to listen to us. 
God has never promised to hear our prayers if we have our ears turned away from Him. That's the reason 1 Peter 3 and 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. To whose prayers? The prayers of the righteous people. God has not promised to hear the prayers of an unrighteous person. He has promised to hear the prayers of righteous people. And how that ought to build confidence in us. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. The God of the Bible said is that if we ask Him as His children, He hears us. Now, He may not answer our prayers like we want them answered. He knows what's best for us. And He gives us what's best in, in a, any given time, any given occasion in our lives. But Lord will hear our prayers. Uh, and so I said, why don't you just ask God to strike you dead? Oh, no, no, no. God will not. I'm afraid he might do it. But she wouldn't think God would listen to her if she asked for help. That's not the God. of God has promised to hear the prayers of good people, righteous people. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's found in James chapter 5, verse 16. God is such a good God, isn't He? You, you see, the reason we can face the future with confidence and face the future unafraid is because when we can lean on and stand on the, the precious promises of God. God is a promise-keeping God and a promise-making God. But God has never promised, He's never promised us, for example, another day to live. He's not promised that. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for, for a man doth not know what a day may bring forth. That's found in Proverbs chapter 27 in verse 1. Go to now, you do say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city. Continue there, you buy and sell and get gain. For as you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Life's like a vapor. You see, God hasn't promised us another day to live. Matter of fact, He hasn't promised us another second to live. He didn't make that promise. But I tell you what God has promised, that so long as we live, that He will help us in whatever circumstance we may find ourselves in life. Now, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is in the 46th Psalm and verse number one. The Lord is my refuge, my strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Now, let's think about that verse for a moment. The Lord is my refuge. You have a refuge when you need a place for protection. The Lord is my refuge, my strength. You need strength when you feel weak. Aren't there times in your life you need a place to go to, to just get away from it all? A place of, we call it a refuge. Well, the Lord is my refuge. And when we feel weak physically, spiritually, Emotionally, the Lord is my strength. 
And it is God's grace that gives us that strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed for its removal. And God's answer to that thorn was, My, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It was in, in Paul's weakness that God demonstrated how, how he was strength for the apostle Paul. And that's how we get our strength today. I can do all things through Christ who does what for me? Who strengthens me? Philippians 4 and verse 13. So God is a great God and, and we can face the future unafraid when we can rest on the promises of God. He's never promised us another day to live. And He's never promised that we're going to have a, another opportunity to obey Him after we die. Now, the Bible just doesn't teach that. In Luke 16, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. He fared sumptuously every day. And there was a man, a beggar named Lazarus, that laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The, doors, the dogs came and licked his sores, and he came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom the rich man died also and was buried and in hell. He lift up his eyes being in torments and said, Father Abraham, have mercy. The very first thing he asked for was mercy. He said, send Lazarus. Please send Lazarus. That he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Well, his request was denied. He said, well, then I want you to send him to my father's house for I've got five brothers and they're on their way to torment. His request was denied. You see, the Bible nowhere teaches that there's some kind of a second opportunity once we die. He's never promised to save anyone after they die. But he has promised to save people while they're living, while they're alive. And there is no second chance. Jesus said, you die in your sins. Where I am, you cannot come. That's in John chapter 8 and verse 21. And people may pray for you once you're dead. They may even pay for you once you're dead, but there is no salvation for you once you die. The day is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. That's the reason as a preacher, I urge people, every individual take advantage of whatever opportunity they have. You see, there are a lot of things God has not promised, but in all of those things, God has promised that He's going to help us. He's never promised, to, he's never promised for example, to bless a stingy person. But Jesus said that, that we are blessed if we give. It's more blessed to give than to do what? To, to be on the receiving end, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. See, He's a God, a great God. Think about some of God's promises. Think about the day right after the flood and, and, and God put a rainbow in the heavens and God made this promise to old brother Noah. He said, I will never ever again destroy the world with water and he sealed that covenant with a rainbow in the sky. A rainbow was God's way of saying, I'll never do it again. We see rainbows today. We see them now. And every time I see one, I think of that promise that God made. 
Now, God did not say, I will never destroy the world again, because he did say in 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 that one day he's going to destroy it with, with fire. But he said, I'll never destroy it again with water. Think, think about the promises God made. Think about the promise that he made to Abraham that he was going to bless all nations of the earth through his seed. Through all of those that would be born after Abraham and come through the loins of Abraham. And Jesus Christ is that seed. Galatians 3 and verse 16. He saith unto Abraham and his seed, but the promise is made. And he says, not unto seeds as of many, but unto seed as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. That was a promise made to Abraham. But the promise to bless the world through the seed of woman without the agency of man being involved goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. To the third chapter of Genesis and verse 15, I'll put amnity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. If you want to kill a snake, you better, you better hit him in the head. You better cut his head off. My wife is known in the Somerdale uh, church as one who kills a lot of snakes. We've had a lot around our house. That is until we had a lot of cats living around our house, and they seem to be pretty good keeping the snakes away. But I couldn't tell you how many she's killed. She didn't kill them by chopping off their tails. She chops their heads off. And, and it was by giving a mortal blow to the devil that Jesus Christ came into this world, lived a life of poverty among men, died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and he came out of the grave with the, with the, with the death, hell, and the grave in his hand. He defeated devil. The day that Jesus was raised from the dead was the day death died. And God promised that through the seed of Abraham. Oh, God is a wonderful God. And He's promised that if you're faithful to Him, you be faithful to Him to death. Even it should cost you your life. You're going to receive a crown of life. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. When you think about those promises, you can face the future without fear. And to face the future unafraid. Well, well just listen to the, what others have said about the future. Listen to what the great apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.23. I'm in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Then he says in verse 24, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul said, my real desire, what I really want to do, is I want to go ahead and be with the Lord because it's far better. wonder why Paul said it's far better. Well, it's far better because we'll be through with all of the suffering, pain, and discomfort, and, and all of the sin of this world. There, there won't be any sinners in heaven, Revelation 21, 27. There won't be any liars in heaven, Revelation 21 and 8. There not be any fornicators or adulterers or, or effeminate in heaven, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through verse 11. You, you see, this is going to be a perfect place. Revelation 21, 4 says, There will not be any pain there. 
Can you imagine being in a place where there's no pain? That's what Paul said. It's far better. It's far better because there won't be any pain there. There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no death there. There'll be no suffering there. I'm, I'm speaking to someone right now that's, that is in a lot of pain. It, it'd, be, it'd be rather unusual with the kind of audiences that we have watching Getting to Know Your Bible. If, if I wasn't talking to someone right, one right now, I had back problems. So many people have them today. People that have migraine headaches. People that, that, that suffer from arthritis. People that have, have just had a heart uh, procedure done. And it's still causing you problems. The, the world is full of pain. It's full of pain. Think about the pain and the suffering of people that, have, uh, that are living through war. Where they're, they're, they're living in a war-torn part of the world. Oh, my heart goes out to them. Oh, there's so much suffering in this world. And that's the reason, as Paul said, it'd be a whole lot better for you to give your life to Christ, to have your sins covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, stand on the solid rock, and rest, rest on the promises of God Almighty. And, and one day, heaven will be your home. It's just far better to be on the other side. Then notice Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Think of all that we gain when we die in Christ. We have the hope of eternal life right now. And it will not be hope when we get to be with the Lord. It will be hope realized. Because we will then have the, the reward that we have been promised, the reward for which we have hoped. You see, it would be far better. Now, that's really what Paul meant in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he said, I, I, I'm ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to be only, but unto all them that love is appearing. You see, when, when we live the Christian life, that, that we can face the future unafraid because there are those that have gone ahead of us and they're telling us that it's a whole lot better to be with the Lord than it is to stay here. And I have an idea that somebody's watching right now that in their mind or their heart or maybe out, audibly you said, Amen to that, Brother Lambert. It'd be better to be with the Lord than to stay here. I know of people that are looking forward to the time that they die. And I think the older we get and the closer we are to eternity, the more that we get homesick for heaven because of what other people have said about it. But we can also face the future unafraid because of those that are on the other side that are waiting for us to come. God's waiting. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for me. He's waiting for all of us. God is in heaven on His throne. Je Jesus said to pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You see, God is in heaven. 
And God is waiting for His children to come home. Now the question is, are you one of His children? Paul wrote about that in Galatians, the third chapter, verses 26 and 27, when he said, you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, as a believer in Christ, put Christ on in baptism? You see, God's waiting for the family to come home. And what a reunion that's going to be. Jesus is waiting. In 1 John, the third chapter in verse 2, that there the Bible says that, that there's going to be a time that we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Someone says, well, what's that going to be like? Well, suppose I told you I don't know. So suppose I told you that I don't know what we will look like. This I do know, we'll have a glorified body, Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. We'll have a body that is not subject to disease. We will have a body that is not subject to decay. We will have a body that is not subject to death. It will be a changed body, a glorified body. Someone says, well, you didn't explain enough of it, Brother Lambert. Tell me more. We need to just realize that God has revealed everything He wants us to know about it. And it's going to be a glorified body, an incorruptible body. This body is a corruptible body. But Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians when he comes it will be changed into in, an incorruptible body. A body that will not decay, that will not grow old. Well, someone says, well, well am, I, am I going to have gray hair there like I have now? I, you're asking me questions that I don't know. Let's just be more concerned about getting to be with the Lord than we are what we'll look like when we get there. Don't you think that's the wisest thing? People ask all kinds of questions sometimes about heaven and about going to heaven, and, and, and they, they ask things that are in the realm that, where, where there's no revelation given about it. So all you can, the best you can do is speculate about it. God's not, I'm not given to speculation. I, I want God to speak and tell me from the Word what the answer is to certain questions people ask. Well, this I know, that Jesus is waiting, but are you ready to go? Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God to salvation? By believing on Jesus, by repenting of all your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ, but living a faithful Christian life. And when you get down to the end, you can face the future right now unafraid. I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and right now pick up the phone call for the free Bible correspondence course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. 
If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Oh